Yesterday, we talked about the Chicago Bears players with the most to gain at OTAs, a big opportunity in front of them to get better and grow into a bigger role. Today, I want to look the opposite direction. The players that are sitting all right right now, but have a lot to lose if they can't keep up with some of the other players coming for their job. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we especially appreciate our everydayers that tune in five days a week for your daily Bears fix. And in particular, shout out to the everydayers that tuned in to Friday's podcast all the way to the end of Friday's podcast. Because at the end of Friday's podcast, we talked about how Free agent signings were likely to start getting negotiated over this weekend and into the early days of this weekend. Of course, on Monday, Leonard Floyd signs with the Buffalo Bills. One of the first pass rusher dominoes starts to fall. And we explained why that looked like it was coming on Friday. And if you listen through the end of Friday's podcast, if you're an everydayer who listens from start to finish, you were ahead of the curve there knowing why a signing like that was coming and why likely more will be coming here in the next coming days here after last week. But on the show today... I want to focus in on what's going on at OTAs and minicamp for your Chicago Bears. This is the last week of OTAs, and then I believe next week, mandatory minicamps start catching up here. And so while we talked about the players with the most to gain yesterday, I want to look at the players that have the most to lose. And it's not to say that these are bad players who are going to lose some sort of standing, but the players that have some stakes here or maybe should be, I don't want to say on edge, but better watch out because... The Bears created a lot of competition on this roster, and these are the kind of guys that the competition is coming for. But the competition is designed to either push these, these players so that they keep their job and elevate their level of play, or perhaps the competition will end up taking their jobs, either in the starting lineup or, in some cases, maybe the 53-man roster as a whole. Now, this first one, not someone who's going to lose their 53-man roster spot, but definitely has perhaps the most stiff competition anywhere on this roster and that's Khalil Herbert at running back. The Bears have been treating him as the starter throughout OTAs. I mean, he is the incumbent, if you will. He was the one who was here last year, although there certainly are a lot of expectations that somebody like Dante Foreman could come in, who was a starter for Carolina last season, and win that starting job for the Chicago Bears. You also have a rookie in Roshan Johnson there on the depth chart that's going to be in that mix for a starting spot. And it's kind of... And it feels to me like then it's it's Khalil Herbert's job to lose because he is the guy who was in the system last season. He is the guy who knows Luke Getze, who knows these play calls more so than the other new additions elsewhere on the roster. I mean, the only incumbent besides him would be Treston Ebner at the bottom of the depth chart. But while he certainly will have every opportunity, I think all five running backs on the on their contract right now will have an equal opportunity to show the best that they can do for this team and whether or not you know they deserve this starting running back job, it is Khalil Herbert's right now. 
And I've made the I made the argument on this podcast earlier this offseason that I think Khalil Herbert is fully capable of being that lead back. I think he's a guy who, if you give him enough carries, he can be a thousand yard running back. He is explosive. He was more productive, more efficient on a per play basis than David Montgomery last season. He was the better of the two Chicago Bears running backs. And you could easily envision a scenario where he is the starter entering week one. You could also see Dante Foreman coming over after also being very productive with the Carolina Panthers and certainly being more of that lead back role compared to Herbert, who is more of that complimentary back role this past season. And maybe Foreman more easily slides into David Montgomery's spot and Herbert kind of stays, ends up staying in some of the same position where he's still an important part of this offense, but he's not the quote unquote starter. Still going to be a part of the rotation, still going to get a significant number of carries and snaps and rushing yards at least this season. But, you know, he needs to grow. If he's going to be that number one overall back or the, you know, the top back in the rotation, he needs to be a better pass catcher out of the backfield. And he certainly needs to be a lot better in pass protection if he's going to be able to keep off a guy like, for example, Roshan Johnson, the rookie, who's a very good pass protector in college. And Foreman's got some of that ability as well. We know Herbert's got the physical tools in terms of the speed and explosiveness with the ball in his hands. You would think that could translate to better receiving, although we haven't quite seen it yet, but that's why the pressure's on. That's why he's got a lot to lose this offseason. One other weapon on this Bears depth chart that I think has a lot to lose and, and not really a lot to gain is Valus Jones. Given the massive upgrades the Chicago Bears have made at wide receiver in the last well, you know, if we expand it back, extend it back to the trade deadline in the last nine months, if not just the last few months with D DJ Moore, of course, coming over at the top of the depth chart, Chase Claypool also coming in there. Like the Bears very clearly have their top three wide receivers firmly established. Number four is then wide open. It could be somebody like Valus Jones if he can continue to grow and, and improve as a wide receiver. But they go out and draft Tyler Scott. And he's got to be a part of this conversation. Equinemius St. Brown was re-signed from last season. He's going to be a part of this conversation. Plus, you have Valus Jones as the kick returner and the possible punt returner in that conversation. And he's competing with perhaps Khalil Herbert on the kickoffs or Tristan Ebner or some other guys. And on punt return, you know, Dante Pettis might be in the mix there, but Pettis would still have to make this roster as well. But like, there's an opportunity here for a lot of different guys coming for Valus Jones's spot. And there's a lot of reason to be maybe pessimistic about the lack of progress we saw from Valus Jones last season, but now another off season in the, in the team, in the system with Justin Fields to maybe grow a little bit more into his role. And of course, you know, Tyler Scott being a rookie is going to have some catching up to do. And Valus Jones should be a more, you know, dynamic athlete in terms of like speed and explosiveness than Equinemius St. Brown or Dante Pettis. St. Brown might have some length, some size on him in that way, in that regard. But other than that, you would think based on the player that the Bears drafted, in Valus Jones in the third round last season, that he should grow into a bigger role. But we can all envision a scenario where Tyler Scott passes him and maybe Equinemius St. Brown passes him and maybe Khalil Herbert becomes the kickoff return guy and it's not Jones anymore. And all of a sudden his, his playing time on offense and special teams starts to shrink more and more and more. But the more he can show at this stage of the process, early in OTAs and minicamp, carry that into training camp, will set him up for the biggest role possible this upcoming season. Couple of players in the trenches that I want to get to as guys that again don't have a lot to gain, but have a lot to lose with some of the guys behind them breathing down their necks, and one in the secondary as well. Especially as OTAs, not everybody is there on both sides of the ball. It's voluntary at this stage of the process, but it's about to get mandatory at minicamp. We'll look at some of the other top players with the most to lose next on Locked On Bears. 
The Locked On Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers will get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500 from FanDuel. So you place your bet. If your bet wins, great. You win your winnings. You got the bet right. If your bet is incorrect and you lose your bet, FanDuel will give you up to $2,500 back in bonus bets. Whether you're betting on an exciting NBA Finals or the NHL Stanley Cup Final, you can bet on this upcoming football season where the Bears win-loss record will be, the opening spread against the Green Bay Packers, Justin Fields as an MVP candidate, Matt Eberflus as a Coach of the Year candidate, and so many more sports and different opportunities, all in the FanDuel app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. There's no better place to get in on all of the postseason action or next season's action than America's number one sports book. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and get your no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA and NFL. We talked last week about Cody Whitehair's transition back to center for the Chicago Bears and how they they notified him pretty early in this offseason that that was going to be the plan. They've given him the full run-up here. But I can't help but still feel like Cody Whitehair does have something to lose here in this process. That as much as, yes, he is the clearly most experienced, not only the most experienced offensive lineman on this team, but I believe he is the oldest player by age on this team at only age 30, but he's the only player who, as of today, is age 30. I think a couple guys are 29 and will be approaching it, but he is not only the longest tenured bear, not only the longest in the NFL, but also the oldest player on this team. Typically not then a guy that you might think of as being in jeopardy, but we know he was not a Ryan Poles signing or draft pick. He was a holdover from the previous regime. We know that they signed Lucas Patrick last offseason and kind of promoted him and you know pumped him up as the guy who was going to be the leader, the center in the middle of this offensive line. That was the plan for last season until Lucas Patrick got hurt. They had to go back to Sam Mustafer and Patrick eventually kind of rotated in at like guard and struggled a little bit and center struggled a little bit here and there. And it wasn't everything that it was all caught up to be. But we kind of long wondered whether Cody Whitehair would be a potential salary cap casualty this offseason. They ended up keeping him, making him this current focal point at center. But just given that he has had at times struggles at center in the past, given that at times the biggest issue perhaps was then snapping the ball and we saw him get kind of moved back to guard when snapping was an issue in you know, 2019 or 2020. I kind of get the years mixed up back then now, but right, we've seen him kind of fluctuate between those two spots. And I just can't help but feel like they do have other center options if for some reason Cody Whitehair struggles with that transition return to center. And by all accounts, like he's, he's even said, we heard from him on the podcast, like it's like riding a bike. It's pretty easy to pick back up. He has changed the way he snaps the ball to try and prevent the, the sorts of snapping issues that he has had. I'm not here to, to say that there should be concerns or are concerns about Cody Whitehair's ability to transition back to center and play that position consistently for them this season. It should be a pretty clear upgrade in consistency over what they had from Sam Mustafer last season. But it's not as though they don't have options if, for some reason, it doesn't. First of all, 
just because he could be a, a salary cap casualty early this offseason doesn't mean he can't still be a salary cap casualty at any point, right? The, the, if the Bears cut him tomorrow, which they're not going to, but hypothetically, you know, they would save just as much cap space as they would have before. I think they might actually save more cap space because they're post June 1st. And so the dead cap can get spread over multiple years. So it would be a slight difference. But regardless, you know, it, or if they cut him at the 53-man roster deadline or during training camp, we have seen teams end up moving on from veterans during training camp when they say, you know what, we're just not not feeling it and want to go younger and save a little bit of the money. You're not, you're not cutting him for the cap casualty at that point, for the salary cap space, but just because you want to give him another chance to go to another team during training camp, latch on and get a 53-man roster spot, as opposed to waiting until the end of the 53-man roster cutdown. Again, not saying that's going to happen or that I think it's going to happen or that I predict it's going to happen or that I expect it to happen, but it is within the realm of possibility, right? It's not like they have nothing else if things were to go poorly with Cody Whitehair. They don't, they don't have as much reason to be super, super patient if they're confident in Lucas Patrick. They also seem to like Doug Kramer, the young center from Illinois, as a potential backup, and they have Dieter Eiselin as a backup center, like three guys on this roster that can play the center position. Maybe not three starting caliber centers behind Cody Whitehair, but they have depth at the center position, young depth. And you could just see the possibility of like, yeah, if, if the snapping becomes an issue, certainly you could move Cody Whitehair back to guard and not just outright cut him, but they have other options at center, and it just feels like he does have something to lose there. I'm not expecting him to lose it, but there is room for him to go down, as opposed to like, you know, if Braxton Jones struggles at left tackle, I don't think they're going to put Larry Borum in there, right? I don't think they're going to put Alex Leatherwood in there. I think they're going to stick it out with Braxton Jones and live with some of the ups and downs. Same if Tevin Jenkins at left guard, perhaps, Nate David, a lot of these other guys, like, I don't think they're going to just give up and say, screw it, get somebody else in there. Like, they don't have anybody else to rely on at left tackle. And so that's why I feel like comparatively, like Cody Whitehair has a little bit more to lose there. One other name on defense I want to throw in here quickly that has a lot to lose at OTAs and minicamp is Kendall Vildor, another starter from last season that we're expecting to not be a starter this season, but gets to be a starter right now in some part because A, Jalen Johnson has not participated in the voluntary portions of minicamp, but also then B, like he is the incumbent and they're not just going to hand the rookies the starting position on the outside. Like Tyreek Stevenson is getting those reps now because it's because Johnson's not there. It's still going to be Vildor and Stevenson and Gordon kind of filling that spot. And when Johnson comes back, presumably Vildor will still get to be the incumbent starter, much like we talked about with Khalil Herbert. But when you have a second round pick in Tyreek Stevenson that you're excited about, and a lot of people feel like can be even a year one starter and can be better than Vildor and push him out of the starting lineup, there's a lot to lose there for Vildor if he doesn't take another step forward and falls behind and starts making mistakes. Like there's, there's a rookie second round pick and there's a rookie fifth round pick right behind him and an impressive undrafted free agent or two from last season that are also there to try and push Kinda Vildor. We've seen Vildor, I think, take incremental steps forward each season, but he has, he has still been replaceable, but he's gotten better, right? It's not like he's been the same guy all three years. Like he has gotten improved and I'd like to see further improvement from him, and maybe he can be good enough to keep that starting job away from the rookies and make the rookies have to rotate in off the bench. But I think if I was a betting man and I could bet on who the Bears' starting cornerbacks are going to be on the outside, it's probably Jalen Johnson and Tyreek Stevenson with, with Kyler Gordon in the slot. We'll see. It's, uh, Vildor's, it's Vildor's job to lose, and that's why I say he's one of these Bears players that has the most to lose. A couple other guys have rookies breathing down their neck that set them up with a lot to lose if they don't hold up their end of the bargain the way we might expect them to, we'll look on the defensive line and elsewhere next on Locked on Bears. 
we don't expect all the Chicago Bears rookies to be able to come in and start in year one. We think Darnell Wright has been pretty well handed the starting right tackle job as a top 10 pick. He should be a starter in year one. We were just, as we were just talking about, we sort of expect that Tyreek Stevenson is pro ready enough and at a position that is vulnerable enough that he can be good enough right away to unseat Kendall Vildor to be in the starting lineup. He's not handed that. He's not guaranteed that. There's a chance he's not that, but he has the next best chance. Other than that, a lot of the other rookies are currently in a position as a top backup, but top backups that have the room to kind of move up and take playing time away from people ahead of them. And so when I look at a couple other guys with a lot to lose there, I start with Justin Jones at the defensive tackle position. Like, yes, he too is kind of like the veteran on the middle of that group, even though he's 26 years old. Like he's not, I know Andrew Billings is older than him, but Jones has been here another year. Like Billings is 28, Jones is 26. Those guys are the experienced, wily old veterans on that defensive line. And you've got two rookies behind them that have a lot of promise in terms of the physical tools. Now, neither one of those guys, Billings or Jones, is going to lose their starting jobs at OTAs or veteran minicamp to one of the rookies. But it's not out of the question that maybe not even by week one, but as the season goes on, right? It's a rota- It's always going to be a rotation on the defensive line. The two veterans are the starters. The two rookies are their top backups. But they're going to be on the field at different times and kind of rotate in a, in a, you know, sharing snaps. And you could, you could envision over the course of this season, the rookies increasing their snap load and their playing time more and more as they get more comfortable and more developed and and develop, you know, NFL like pass rush moves and get used to how NFL offensive linemen will try and block them and show bigger and better flashes throughout the year that slowly, but surely the line between who's the starter and who's the backup could get a lot more blurry. And that stuff starts right now in OTAs and minicamp. It's every opportunity that Jervon Dexter and Zach Pickens and and even Travis Bell, the seventh round pick, get at OTAs to show what they can do to flash, to earn more snaps and earn more playing time. Like it's a slow process, but it begins now. And it's like building your way up. That's really okay. If they're they're getting all second team reps right now, but maybe by minicamp, they start to get a couple of first team reps. And then maybe by training camp, they're getting like a third of of the first team reps. And then by week one, maybe they're, you know, they're getting more like 40% 40% of the snaps and then or 40% of the total like defensive tackle snaps. And then by week 10, you know, are they more closer to 50, 50 with the linemen ahead of them? Like this is the beginning of that process. And the guys like Justin Jones and Andrew Billings need to stay sharp, need to keep getting better too. Like we think of them as, you know, the more experienced quote unquote older players in the defensive line, even though they're young, but like they're not, I don't think Justin Jones is at his peak yet as a player. I don't, I don't know about Andrew Billings. He's been in the league a little while, but like, you know, these guys need to keep getting better too. They've got to keep growing. They can't just, rest on their laurels and and just kind of keep doing what they're doing. They can continue to grow and keep the rookies behind them on the bench. I'd also throw Travis Gibson in this conversation. You know, we talked yesterday on players with the most to gain. I think Dominic Robinson is one of them. It's a great opportunity in front of Dominic Robinson to go out there and earn more playing time and become a bigger part of this rotation, just like the rookies. He's a second-year guy, but, you know, just like the more developmental type of prospect. And when you have Demarcus Walker in, and Rasheem Green in as far as free agents this year, all of a sudden your defensive end depth chart, like Gibson's not owed a starting job here. He he gets one, like he 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 is the incumbent at that position. It's his starting job to lose. But, you know, at the moment he shows weakness or the moment guys like Rasheem Green and Dominic Robinson and Demarcus Walker show that they can be more consistent or have bigger peaks or better flashes, like, 
Gibson could easily find himself back on the bench and be that number three instead of one of the two starters. And, you know, a guy like Dominic Robinson could start competing for more of those types of snaps too. Like I, I th- those two defensive end spots to me feel pretty wide open. Like I think Demarcus Walker is probably the most locked into one spot. And then Gibson is obviously the, probably the most second most locked into the other spot, given the money they paid Walker and the experience Gibson has, like they're, they're definitely the favorites, the incumbent starters, if you will. But Rasheem Green and Dominic Robinson, if they just continue to practice well and play well at this stage of the process, keep that up then through training camp and, and OTAs at minicamp and then into week one, like those jobs are not very secure either. We saw last season, like you start the start of the year, Gibson was not a starter. It was Al-Qadim Muhammad and it was Robert Quinn. Quinn gets traded, Al-Qadim Muhammad gets benched and, and you know things kind of get messy on that defensive line. But like the Bears aren't afraid to make changes up front. They're not afraid to bench their nose tackle. They benched Angelo Blackson last season. I mean, that defensive line was constantly in flux. And if guys like Robinson and Green and Walker can keep playing well, and if Gibson doesn't continue to grow and take steps for himself, you could see him having a lot to lose at this stage of the process. And one other name I'll throw out there, kind of like Whitehair, where I don't expect him to struggle. I don't think anything's going to happen, but the Bears do have other options. And this might sound blasphemous, but Jack Sanborn at linebacker, he's got a lot to lose. He's a starter right now. I mean, it's Edwards, Edmonds, and then Sanborn is the number three linebacker. And by all means, he played really well last season, should be a starter this year. It's his job for sure. But they signed Dylan Cole as a free agent from the Titans. They drafted Noah Sewell in the fifth round, and they brought back Sterling Weatherford. Like, they've got linebacker depth. They've got guys who can plug and play in this Jack Sanborn spot. And assuming Sanborn picks up where he left off last season, he doesn't really have anything to worry about. But if he doesn't, if he hits a sophomore slump, if for whatever reason, you know, he he gets caught up in things and it, it isn't as natural or as easy for him as other teams start to get more tape on him when it comes to regular season games. Like if he starts to make mistakes, if he misses too many tackles, if he gets out of the wrong gap for some whatever reason, or if he falls, finds himself falling behind in coverage, the Bears have other options at linebacker, other young players that can plug into that role. Dylan Cole's been in the league a little while. Noah Sewell certainly has a lot of upside as a fifth round pick. Like there's some other options there that Sanborn should be fine. We, by everything, we trust Sanborn to be good there, just like we trust Cody White here to be good at center. But in both cases, it's not as though they don't have another good option behind them. And that's why I say, like, Sanborn does have something to lose. A lot of these guys have something to lose. We don't expect them to lose it, but they do have opportunity to move down, especially when guys like Sanborn and Whitehair, like, they've got the job already. There's not really anywhere to move up. It's already there. It's just got to keep getting better, keep playing better to keep the guys behind you from taking your job. I'd be curious to think if there are any other Bears that you think have a lot to lose at OTAs and minicamp that I didn't mention on the podcast today. Let us know in the comments on the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel. You can tweet us at Lockdown Bears, or you can post in the Lockdown Bears Facebook group to keep the conversation going there as well. However you do it, just make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts, because that's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the most overblown Chicago Bears offseason storylines and headlines, the things that kind of we thought, well, not even that we thought would shape the, the kind of things that kept being, we kept talking about around this team that were definitely overblown and either didn't come to, like were completely false or just didn't really come to fruition or didn't really go the way I think the wider narrative was expecting them to or looking for them to do or asking about whether they would do. So come on back tomorrow. Make Lockdown Bears your first listen tomorrow again and every day. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We love our everydayers that tune in five days a week. And of course, when you tune in every day, that means every day you get another opportunity to bear down.